Thanks for listening to audio from North Monroe. To learn more about who we are, visit northmonroe.com or download the North Monroe app in the App Store or on Google Play. Now, here's this week's message. You know, a wise man once said, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. And I think that's the beautiful connection between what we're going to talk about with men and ordaining deacons at the same time. We're ordaining the deacons to the office of serving. The word deacon means servant. But you know, the calling to serve is the calling on every man. Real men serve. And when men serve, when they serve their families, they serve their church, they serve their community, it makes a profound difference in this world. You know, we hear a lot these days about this expression, toxic masculinity. Have you heard that expression? Almost as if there's something poisonous about being masculine and that we need to guard against that at all costs. And, and you, you say, where does this idea come from of toxic masculinity? Well, of course, it comes essentially out of the feminist movement, you know, and, and here's how the train of thought happens. It all starts with this single proposition or supposition that men and women are the same. You know, first wave feminists weren't, at, weren't saying that men and women are the same. They were saying men and women are equal. And it's different because, especially in that generation, women weren't treated as equal and they were calling for equality. But then something changed and all of a sudden they started saying, no, 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 men and women aren't just equal. Men and women are the same. Apart from a few body parts, if you pile it all together, men and women are exactly the same. And and some of the more radical of that group would even say that there aren't even hormonal differences in that kind of thing. But you know, the Bible teaches that men and women are equal, but they're different. Genesis chapter 1, verse 7, 27. So God created human beings in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. We are created in the image of God. And you know what that means? That means we're equal in every way. We have equal value before the Father. We bear His image. We are image bearers. But that doesn't mean that we're the same. Notice it says that He created them male and female. He created them. And God created us with some very unique differences. Biology understands this. You know, if you don't, if you're like, well, I don't view the Bible as my authority. Well, what about science? Because biology uh, affirms this. Every cell of a female body is different from every cell of a male body. I mean, it's, it's even in the bones. If you were to take a man and woman and bury them side by side and they dig them up a hundred years from now, the scientists would immediately know which was female and which was male because it's in your very bones. Social sciences affirm this. They've done study after study after study. You know what happens to a man? In the womb, you know what happens to a man? He gets brain damaged. Did you know that? Their brain is washed with testosterone, and that short circuits parts of their brain. And so men can't use their whole brain all at once. Women tend to be able to use both sides of the hemisphere all at once. But men, you know... It's almost like you've got this little guy down here on this side and he's watching LSU baseball and she comes in and wants to talk because she can talk and do the laundry and, you know, knit the knit, knit a a blanket and watch the show and do all these other things. And she starts talking to him and he's like, huh, huh? Because he can't hear her. See, what has to happen is this little guy over here, he's got to climb a ladder, walk across some scaffolding, and come down on this side and move some levers so that we go into talk mode. And so he finally comes around and says, you want me to turn the TV off? 
She's like, no, 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 don't turn the TV off. I just want to talk and watch. We can't do both. <laughs> Which do you want to do? One or the other. And they've done all of these various studies about how they interact and how they navigate. And, you know, women struggle with spatial orientation. That's why they'll, you give her a map and she's got to orient it and she's spinning the map and all that. You know, and those things are hardwired ingrained. And the social scientists know this. And, and so it's like, okay, the Bible says it. Biology says it. Social sciences say it. So why do people still believe that, that men and women are the same? And the truth is, and it's hard to get this across, is people are going to believe what people want to believe. I remember watching or uh, reading some of the studies on uh, the social sciences on gender differences, and uh, they interviewed uh, a leading feminist on this. I think it was Helen Gurley Brown. And they said, uh, what do you think about this? And she said, this study should not have been done because they don't want to hear it. And so the consequences of this idea of sameness are, are very predictable. Two very serious ideas emerge. First, we see uh, in this, this new obsession with gender fluidity. If men and women are the same, then the only difference is the one you choose. And so you can just make this little, it's not a leap, you just make this little step from whether I want to be male, I want to be female, and you see that in that. But the other thing that's happening is this thing called toxic masculinity. Because if men and women are really the same, then something must have gone very wrong with men. You know, if, if we should think the same, if we should act the same, if she would re respond to situations in the same way, we see these men responding very aggressively and we see these women responding in a more nurturing way, then something's terribly wrong with men. And what's happened is the feminine perspective has become normative. And so if you don't move with the feminine perspective, then you're not normal. So there's something toxic about you, something desperately wrong with you. Um, and so the answer must be to emasculate men. And that's kind of what's happening in our culture. Look, the problem isn't toxic masculinity. The problem is toxic humanity. That's the problem. You see, without Jesus, men are toxic. But without Jesus, women are toxic too. Because human beings are toxic. We're given to sin, and sin ruins everything. And this is why redemption is so important. This is why transformation that comes in Christ. You saw Mike's video. You saw these video of these men who have experienced transforming power of the Holy Spirit and followed up with the discipling nature of the Holy Spirit, teaching and nurturing and encouraging and building in us the nature of Christ, which is the nature of serving. And when real men begin to serve, powerful, profound things begin to happen in your family, in your community, and in your church. And so uh, toxic masculinity uses and abuses, but biblical masculinity serves. And so I want to talk about how men, Father's Day, how we serve. And first is this, we, we serve through loving our families. You're like, I, I get that. I, I, I love my family. I'm not talking about emotional love. I'm talking about agape love, sacrificial love. Uh, Ephesians 5.21, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. I've talked about this so many times. Submission should be the defining principle of every Christian relationship. Submission should be the defining principle of every Christian relationship. I submit to you, you submit to me. Christianity is always about you first. It's always about others first. And that's a very important idea 
that it was somehow lost in translation in this verse, Ephesians 5.21, be subject to one another in the fear of Christ, submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. And yet then in verse 22, it says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And that's been lost because of where they placed verse 21. You see, what they did was in translation, and remember in the original Greek, there weren't paragraphs or any of those uh, defining marks, but they placed verse 21 at the end of of the paragraph. And the end of the paragraph is typically a summation of what was said. The beginning of a paragraph is setting up the topic for the next paragraph. They put verse 21 at the end of the preceding paragraph and then started the new paragraph with, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And it makes it look like the only one that should do the submitting is the wife because that submit to one another thing was lost in translation. When in fact, it doesn't belong at the end of the preceding paragraph. It belongs at the beginning of the next paragraph because everything Paul says after 521 all the way down through 6 verse 9 is about submission. Wives, here's how you submit. You submit to your husbands as to the Lord in respect. Men, here's how you submit. You love your wives as Christ loved the church. Children, you submit to your parents by being obedient. Parents, you submit to your children by not exasperating them. Employees, you submit to your bosses. Bosses, you submit to the employees. And so it really is the heading for everything that follows, a a discussion on how we submit. But also that word and, it says, and be subject to one another in the fear of the Lord. That word and is not there. It's not in the original. There is no conjunction to tie it to the, to the preceding. It should have started it. And then NIV got it right by putting that verse as it stands alone. But third and most importantly, verse 22 doesn't have a verb. In English, you have to have a verb for it to be proper construction. In Greek, you don't need a verb because you can borrow the verb from the preceding sentence. And verse 22 doesn't say, wives, submit to your husbands, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. Literally in the original, it reads, wives to your husbands as to the Lord. That makes no sense without verse 21. Be subject to one another in the fear of the Lord. Wives to your husbands as to the Lord. Now it makes sense because you're borrowing the verb from the preceding verse, which means this is how you uniquely submit. And if you follow that train of thought out, then you come around to how men are to submit to their wives. And how is it? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. How much did Jesus love the church? He loved the church enough to die for And so men, when you're willing to die for your family, and I'm talking about giving up stuff that you love because your family's more important than what you love, that you love them more than you love your stuff, or you love them more than you love your hunting, or you love them more than you love fill in the blank, then they respond to that knowing that you are the kind of person who is not only safe, but it's also protective. And so we serve our families by loving them. We serve by living with our families. Look at 1 Peter 3, verse 7. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she's a woman and show her honor as a fellow heir of grace of life so that her prayers will not be hindered. And women get mad here. They don't like that weaker thing, you know, as someone weaker. The literal there is weaker vessel. I don't like that idea. Well, look, he's not talking about spiritual or emotional weakness. He's talking about physical weakness. I mean, truthfully, in our family, Amy's the toughest one. If Amy gets sick, she just keeps going. If we get the sniffles, we're in bed for a week, you know? (laughs) 
Every small ailment we get is a major deal with her. She's so tough. But physically, I'm way stronger than her. I got her by 100 pounds. That's why I can open the mayonnaise jar. See, she needs me. Without me, she would never be able to open a jar. See how important we are? And look, because we're more physical, then we can dominate and we can be toxic. That's where masculinity goes toxic. And yet he says, live with your wife. And live with means to be present. Quit finding ways to be gone all the time. Live with means to protect. Guys, that's your job. I know feminists get mad about this until they need protection. Isn't it interesting that in Ukraine, which was one of the more uh, you know, socially advanced nations in the world, women did everything in Ukraine. But when the Russians came, all the women went to Poland. And guess who stood in the gap? That's as it ought to be. Men, you should be standing in the gap. They should know you're protecting your family. We open the doors. We walk on the outside of the sidewalk. And we know that if any bad guy tries to get to my family, he's got to come through me. And that's not just true physically. It's true in every way, culturally, socially. Your job is to protect your home. And that is not always your wife's job. She's not the one always telling the kids, no, you can't do that. No, you can't go there. No, you can't think that. You can't say that. You can't act like that. You can't be with that crowd. That's your job, men. You protect. You're the lion in the house. And live with also means to help. (laughs) You live with her, which means you do the things that she has to do, which is the dishes, I asked Amy one time, what's the most romantic thing I can do? She said, the dishes. (laughs) Talk about a buzz kill. (laughs) But we help them. We make life easier. We don't make it harder. you, you, You serve your family by living with them. And then you serve them by leading your family. Ephesians 5, 23, for the husband's the head of the wife as Christ is also as the head of the church. He himself is the savior of the body. We lead, spiritually lead our families. You know, this takes a different form. When Amy and I first got married, we made an agreement. I would make all the big decisions and she would make all the little decisions. We've been married 39 years and a big decision come up yet. You know, when you talk about leadership and spiritual leadership, the women sort of bristle at that because of toxic masculinity. They don't want to be dominated. But we understand spiritual leadership is always a bottom-up thing. When Paul was describing his position of leadership in the church, he called himself a hooperatus. That means a third-level galley slave, the guy at the very bottom of the Roman trimarine ship rowing the hardest. It's always bottom up. It's never top down. Leadership is always servant leadership. Look at Mark chapter 9, verse 35. Sitting down, he called the 12 and said to them, if anyone wants to be first, what does he do? Where does he go? He'll be last. Servant of all. It's your job, men, to be a servant leader in your home. Every woman wants a spiritual leader. She shouldn't have to beg you to come to church. You should set the standards and you should help her get the kids ready and don't make her have to battle them to get them to go. You just set the, you just set the course. You know, in our home, it was never, of course, I'm a pastor, but in our home, it was never a question. We're going to church. 
I hear people go, well, I don't want to force them to go to church. You force them to go to school every morning. They don't want to do that either. But men, that's your calling. That's not her calling. That's your calling. You're the spiritual leader. And when you do that, let me tell you something. You change the world. I mean, that's what's missing in our world today. It's real masculinity because real men, they serve. And that's why I think it's just such a beautiful thing to talk about deacon ordination on Father's Day because this is setting the tone. Men, are you a servant? Do you love your family? I'm talking about love them the way Jesus loved them. Do you live with them? Do you lead them? That's what we're called to do, men. Would you pray with me right now? Heavenly Father, help us to be real men. And I pray that our our wives and our loved ones would trust us enough because they would realize that a real man isn't toxic, that masculinity was never meant to be toxic, but that masculinity was meant, Father, to be a blessing for our home, our community, and our churches. And I just pray that you would help us as men to seek to be biblical in this regard and that we would take these unique differences you created in us and use them to glorify Jesus and make a difference in our family. God, there are men here right now that need to make a difference in their family. And I pray that would be done because of the commitment they're making right now. I'm going to be a real man and I'm going to serve. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Our hope is that this message has encouraged you to seek Christ in your own life and make Him known wherever you are. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and share it with a friend. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.